0: you. <laughs>
1: Friday, a fiesta Friday here on the Halford and Bruff show on Sportsnet 650. Senor breath a muy guapo. Halford and hey. of the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Accurate Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate Dealer. Today, we are in hour two of the program. Hour two is brought to you by North Star. Or sorry, it's not. It's brought to you by Primetime Craft Brewing. Meticulously brewed for quality and taste. Primetime is full flavor without compromise. You can find it at a liquor store near you. If you can't ask for it, demand it or visit the brewery to see how it's made. Hola.
0: <laughs> we were saying, like, it's too bad we don't have Jim Toth on more because it perfectly fits with, like, the Jim Toth when it, the trumpet goes up like that. We're workshopping, folks. It doesn't make sense because we have them on, like, one like once
2: a year. Uh, we are coming to you live from the Kintex studio. Kintech, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. surfeet. Feet, what are you waiting for?
1: Kintech, that's what. Okay, uh, this next segment, we're going to have AJ from AJ's Pizza, and we're going to have Jim Toth from Winnipeg on to preview the Jets game. Uh, we'll try and dive into the Dunbar-Lumber text message in basket as well for some Ask Us Anythings, because the best Ask Us Anything for today gets a $100 gift card to AJ's. Speaking... Of AJ. He joins us now on the program. It's AJ from AJ's Pizza here on the Halford & Breath Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, AJ? How are you? What's going
3: on? Happy Friday. Everybody made it through the week, I see. Yeah, you,
1: you made it through your trip to Brooklyn for the Super
3: Bowl. Oh, barely. Barely. (laughs) <laughs> I can't do those quick trips anymore. I'm getting old. And, How, and,
1: last <laughs> week we had you on the show. You were talking about the like million dollar squares thing that your buddy had at his sports bar. What ended up happening? <laughs> with that, that? Did that get shut down? Was there a raid?
3: <laughs> you know what? I don't ask any questions. I just leave, I just leave it. I just leave it as is. I just realize when I go back that that I'm a really normal person, and a lot of them aren't. But I still love them.
1: Uh okay, so your place over the weekend. We're back to the full uh sports schedule. Let's talk about Saturday in particular. You guys do have specials running when it's a hockey game on a game day. Uh let the listeners know what's up.
3: Right. This is the first. I mean, thankfully football's behind us, so now obviously it is all about hockey. So huge game Saturday night, and, that, and that's our first kickoff with many specials. But we're gonna start with uh it's a six dollar sixteen ounce straight fellows brewing. We carry two of their beers, so this is going to be the first of many, and and we'll roll out a ton from here going forward. Beautiful.
1: Uh, and then all weekend, you guys have stuff going on. I think it's uh, Happy Hour All Day Sunday, if I'm not mistaken, as well. Is that correct? It is,
3: it is Happy Hour All Day Sunday. And then, obviously, we're open. I mean, it's Family Day weekend, which is awesome. And, and we've always got a ton of families in AJ's. And then Monday is always a great time because people are off and having fun. So, yeah, come down and see us.
1: You know there's a hockey game on Monday as well, everybody. So, go yeah. check them out. It's AJ's Pizza on. He's Broderick. AJ, thanks for doing this today, bud. We really Thank appreciate it. Thank you, guys.
3: It. Take care. Have a great weekend.
1: Yeah, you too. Thanks. Uh, Come get a slice of Brooklyn in Vancouver. AJ's Pizza on East Broadway. Authentic Brooklyn style pizza. Dine in or order online at ajs.pizza. Before we get to Jim Toth, because it is Ask Us Anything Friday, because we are giving away a $100 gift card for the best Ask Us Anything, I've got an early contender here from Colin in Tawasson. Are we ready for this? Okay. you guys. Everyone has answers. Really good question, actually. In honor of Family's Day on Monday, what family, real or fictional, would you most want to be a part of? A lot of options here, because there's so many. I thought about it with the Halford and Bruff show. The amount, of, um, mm. the amount of drops that we have just from two of the best family comedies of all time, right. The Simpsons and Arrested Development. But I don't want to be part of those families.
0: The Adams Family.
2: Yeah, that's an obvious one for That's you. my for answer. That, yeah. That's like, that'd be awesome. <laughs> it's, yeah, dress yeah.
0: Up. it's just like, there'd be so much cool stuff happening all the time. Yeah. I think the little hand running around might freak me out. they would be part of like the Cadbury family or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't even thought about that. Now, here's, They have a lot of chocolate. Go in that
1: direction. The Sopranos is interesting. No, nope, because, no. Nope. You, Any member of the immediate you know. Sopranos family doesn't get clipped, although we never know what happens to Tony. Yeah, but at the they end. might. <laughs> but
2: they didn't throughout but, the. Duration but they or... might. And you're thinking about it the whole time. Yeah, I it's think being
1: enjoyable. part of a big mob family might be a bit stressful. Within the fictional context of the nuclear family, <laughs> it's pronounced nuclear. Uh, nobody gets clipped, right? Right. Yeah. Although Tony might have at the end. He does. And I don't count Bobby getting clipped because he got married into the family. What's a rich family? Oh, um, I don't. Rick, Ricky Schroeder's family on Silver Spoons. Yeah, give me that one. Like
0: yeah, the Fresh Prince family. I want to be adopted by Uncle Phil. Actually, cool. Uncle Phil that is, fun, actually, Uncle Phil would be fun. Uncle Phil was yeah, a, yeah. it was a top tier yeah, yeah.
1: elite TV dad, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Plus, yeah. they're loaded. What was the <laughs> name? Growing Pains. You could be part of the Seavers. You like that show? No, no, right? no. I don't want a dad as a psychiatrist. Mother like boners at the door. You remember? Like you could do. Uh... Do
0: you remember
2: he would see all his patients in I that do. little room there?
0: Yeah, the I, King I, of the Hill family would be funny just to hear all
2: the things that. Hank and Bobby. So we basically together. have Hank every yeah, day. to yeah, yeah, live in Texas. Yeah, that's true. And, and it's not even like a that big a house in Texas. <laughs> you no, know, it's not one of those like, live next this Dale's
3: house driven.
1: only costs $500,000. It has a 12-car garage. Yeah. How about the family everyone can agree on? Everybody loves Raymond's family. That was a nice, good, wholesome
0: oh, what? TV family. They're all annoying. He's got like oh, three yeah. kids. I met around. Patricia
1: Heaton when I used to work at the Sutton Place Hotel. One of the nicest people I've really? ever met in my life. Yeah. Being a part of George Costanza's family would be pretty funny. <laughs> Just to hear them go off all the time. That'd be very entertaining. The J. Buner trade. Okay, do we have Jim on the line? Or are we going to get him now? We're still bandying about the talking families. To you. Oh, well, that's right. Okay. To, what do you want me get to do? Jim, get Jim Toth on the line. I'll do a quick reset here. If you want to win, and again, the bar is very high now, if you want to win a $100 gift card to AJ's Pizza on East Broadway, best ask us anything. Hashtag it AUA. Text it into the Dunbar Lumber text line at $650. 650. we are going to announce that at the end of the show. Uh, We are going to look ahead to the Canucks now because we've already done enough of the look back after the Canucks grittied all over the Detroit Red Wings last night. Big game on Saturday, 7 o'clock, Hockey Night in Canada, Canucks-Jets. It's the first place team in the NHL, the Vancouver Canucks, and the Jets have dropped all the way to seventh in the NHL. (laughs) Ha! It's still the top two teams in Canada in my estimation that are going to be going toe-to-toe. What? Uh, What? Come on. What? What? The Oilers need to be in there somewhere. I think they're the third best team in Canada right now. Mm. Do you think the Oilers are better than the Jets? Yes. Okay, we'll ask. You know what? I got a question to ask Jim Toth to start the program. I think they might be
2: better than the Canucks. No.
1: No one's better than the Vancouver Canucks. The first place in the NHL. Joining us now uh, from CJOB Radio in Winnipeg, our good buddy Jim Toth here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Morning, Jim. How are you? gentlemen good to be honest
4: here again Larry David would hate this but happy
1: new year even though it's February oh yeah happy new year February 16th well done you really really stretched the limits on this one Jim that's pretty good yeah Yeah. uh you heard I'm assuming what Jason and I were just talking about there um Winnipeg at least in terms of the standings and points are the second best team in Canada but there is that, that that pesky Edmonton Oilers team uh, I know you might have a hometown bias, or maybe you don't. I don't know, but I'll ask you. Are the Jets better than the Oilers, or are the Oilers better than the Jets?
4: Yeah, well, I'm from southern Alberta, and I hate all three of the teams we're going to talk about. So um, <laughs> that, that's my—we'll uh, that start with that. Um, you know what? I it's, it's tough to say with the Oilers, because I still don't know about their bottom six, although their nine look pretty good, and I don't trust their defense— um, it's all on Skinner. but I've, uh, I always start with the goaltending and move out. I, I think Winnipeg has the best goaltender um, right now, um, but I think we're going to see the battle of um, two of the best in the league, and, and not only that, but for Team USA on Saturday with Demko. I think he's a close second. But the reason I'm so intrigued about this and why Winnipeg is on fire about this game on Saturday night is probably what you guys have been talking about most of the week and, and morning heading into this game is it's the best offensive team Against the best defensive team, but I, I think the Jets, just goaltending wise and structure wise, are better than the Oilers. That being said, clearly the Oilers could put up seven points, on, seven goals on you, and then you're in trouble. But that would be hard to do against Winnipeg. The thing I like about the Canucks, guys, and nobody's talking about it given their offensive output, is they're not bad defensively. Like people aren't focusing enough on that. Um, I know Quinn Hughes is putting up a ton of points, but the, the seven or eight games of the Canucks I've watched this year, I think he's really good defensively. I think that pairing is really good. Um, Demko is, is right up there with the top five, six goalies in the league. The problem is, is with the way the Jets have bought into this structure this year, the way they're playing Rick Bonus's system, um, Connor Hellebuck, who is a perennial Vesna candidate, is just having his best season ever. I'm The biggest surprise to me this year is not only the system and the buy-in, but it's that I didn't know Connor Hellebuck had another level, and and people in this city have been talking for years. If the Jets could play better defensively, how good could he be? Well, we're seeing it this year. He is having the best season he's ever had. The
2: Canucks have the third best goals against in the league. That is, you know what, Jim? You're right. We should be talking about this more. Although, to be fair, we did talk about their vastly improved penalty kill um, because it was shown off last night in their win over the detroit red wings um back to the winnipeg jets are they healthy now like uh, every time i look over one of their star players is out um and they've obviously survived those injuries very well how is their health right now
4: yeah they're healthy right now and in fact even Vili Hainola, who's their first round draft pick from i believe the draft that was in vancouver that year uh, i could be mistaken on that But he was a guy that got hurt the last preseason game, and he had made the team. They had already said that he will be on the roster this year. And um, so he's even healthy. He's been playing with the Moose for the past two to three weeks. Um, so so they are predominantly healthy right now David Gustafson is ready to go as well They've waived Dominic Toninato They've waived Axel janssen when Mark Scheifele got back after the break So they are as healthy as they have ever been this year And Brendan Dillon will be back in the lineup After that three-game suspension So what you see on Saturday night Versus the Winnipeg Jets Is about as good as it's going to get Barring any more moves from Kevin Showday off
2: In the last 10 years, how many 2Cs have the Winnipeg Jets gone out and acquired close to the trade deadline? (laughs)
4: this just feels like the only thing I've covered since I've come from Atlanta (laughs) is the second line center. And to be honest, gentlemen, it was so disrespectful to Brian Little because that has been the talk for over a decade Here is Brian Little's not a second line center. Brian Little's not a second line center. Brian Little was a second line center. It's just they wanted to get deeper at the position. There wasn't much after Brian Little, and they wanted to get more scoring out of their highly potent wingers. So Brian Little, you know, I, I think he'll go down here as a legendary. they got to replace, a, get a better second-line center than Brian Little when all he did with Line A and Ehlers when they first came into the league was get the puck back for them. Those two were turnover machines. And there was one debate so heated about the second-line center position. They had a game in Nashville, and I went to air the next day, and I said, here's the the first six shifts of Little with Ehlers and Line A. And on the six shifts, he got the puck back nine times from their turnovers in their own end. Um, but they want some scoring there. So you, it's funny you said that. I might use that on the air if I can't today um, because they've always been searching for it, whether it was Paul Stasny, whether it was Kevin Hayes. Um, they're always bringing somebody else in in the second-line center. That position going forward is supposed to be Cole Perfetti's. He started at center this training camp, and it just didn't go well for him. He's a center by nature. He was drafted to be a center um but kevin Chevaldeoff has a really good keen eye on where he's at today as well as where he's going to be in three years and he's always trying to fix something so this is a year that guys look i thought they should have gone all in last year because i didn't know what they would do with hellebuck and shifley i thought wheeler would be gone and i knew dubois would be gone i thought if you got hellebuck and shifley for last year's playoff run and this year's you should go all in you should move some first round picks you should do some things um and after the deadline so a couple of people told me winnipeg's never going to do that winnipeg can never give away first round picks because it's the only way be in winnipeg that they can guarantee they're going to have a player for seven years so they're never going to trade those fast forward to this year the fact that he sent a first round pick for another second line center tells me that kevin Chevaldeoff believes heavily in this group that they're going all in um and they feel that that addresses what they need now Second line center over the years has meant different things. They need a scorer. They need somebody who can provide more offense. They needed a bigger body, some face-offs. This year, it's three things specifically. Sean Monaghan fits Rick Bonus's system to a T. It's a forecheck that that's how they get their, their play from, their possession from, and their offense from. But it's a forechecking system that they really rely on heavily um, for possession and pressure on the opposition. But the other two things are, if you ask me, one, two, what the Jets are terrible at this year, it's face-offs and it's the power play. And Sean Monaghan addresses both those. So I think when uh, the Vancouver Canucks grabbed Lindholm and the price was what it was, Kevin Sheveldayoff immediately jumped the gun and went and got Sean Monaghan to bring him in here. Now, in the past, to your point, how they've always looked for second-line centres, it's been a deadline deal, and that second-line centre has not always taken off in the 12 or 14 games left in the season. He wanted to do it earlier this year, too, to get... Um, some chemistry going prior to the deadline. They wanted to use those 15 games prior um, to the deadline to get Monaghan acclimatized with Ehlers and with Paffredi to try and get some more chemistry. Because in the past, when they've gone after those second-line centers, it hasn't always transitioned by playoff time. So how
2: has Monaghan fit on the ice? I'm just looking at his stats here. He doesn't have any points. uh, But, uh, you know, underlying numbers, um, eye test, how has he looked?
4: Well, clearly, they like him because at the end of the game against San Jose with a one nothing lead, they were finding him in his own end and trying to feed him the puck to get the empty netters so that 's how much they wanted him to get his first points since getting here but he 's fit in well i I think he's above fifty percent uh, he came in as a fifty five percent uh, face off guy he's i think he was five of eight on on the, the other night after two periods um and the power play he 's in that bumper position, and that 's where they really struggled to find somebody. Um, since Blake Wheeler has left, is, is, is get that going. He doesn't have any points, but he's been in and around it and dangerous. He's been in on the forecheck. check. He's physical, and he retrieves pucks really well. He's been uh, on the back check getting some stuff done. So the eye test, I like everything about him. I would like him to get some points, though. This is a team that is struggling to score right now. And to your point of being healthy, they've been healthy for about three games and really can't score any goals. Even the other night against San Jose, they had four, um, 37 shots, uh, they had 80 shots. Only 37 of them got through. They own the possession game and just can't find one right now. They're fighting it. But I think Sean Monaghan, he's been fine, in my opinion, and as advertised. He's been in and around the net, hit some posts, hit some pads, stick broke on him. Um, it's going to come for him, but I think he's fit in well. The big thing is, is not only does he got to score, he's got to get Cole Perfetti going again. Cole Perfetti had a great start to the season, and it's run dry a little bit. And we all know hockey gets tougher at this point, and that's what all the fans are talking about right now. Cole Perfetti's had a nice start to the season, but come playoff time, um, and I think it's playoff time hockey. Like it's where it gets tougher now. They can't score, and so I like Sean Monahan. I test wise he's fit in well, um, but they do need to start producing. But the whole team does.
1: We are speaking to Jim Toth from CJOB Winnipeg here on the Halford and Brough Show on Sportsnet 650. Um, okay, you mentioned Kevin Hayes. I was like, oh my God, I forgot Kevin Hayes even played for the Winnipeg Jets. But then I remembered Hayes was the guy, and I think it was one of those games of telephone where he told James Patrick, and then James Patrick went on a podcast that the Jets had an absolutely horrible, toxic <laughs> dressing room. Do you remember this? I do, yeah. Okay, so my question is, in light of that, can we maybe draw a line between this great turnaround and this fantastic season the Jets are having and the fact that they are doing it after moving out Blake Wheeler and Pierre Luc Dubois?
4: I think you can. I think you can draw a direct line there. And I'll give you guys one more. When Blake Wheeler came back to Winnipeg this year with the Rangers, uh, they were talking, you know, the media scrum was there, and they asked him about being back and all this. And, and one of the reporters asked him, he said, you know, what do you think of Adam Lowry as a captain? I thought it's a great call, and he's this, and he's that, and that. And then another reporter said, um, do you think he's taken anything from you to in his role as, as captain? And Blake looked up and smiled and said, I think he's taken a lot from me on what not to do um, to be a good captain. Wow. And I thought, hmm. wow, there's a guy that all the stories, all the rumors over the years— um, uh, uh, realizes that, you know, he wasn't maybe... And he's admitted this while he was here during the time. Um, there was a time where he said, I, I've got to lighten up a bit and stuff. So I think it's a direct correlation to Blake Wheeler being gone, to how the room is such a, a, a great place to be. The guys are having fun and enjoying the season and leading the success on the ice. But I also don't want to alleviate Pierre-Luc Dubois. Even this past week, Rick Bonus has slipped in another, everybody here wants to be here. Um, Blake Wheeler never wanted to leave here so when I keep hearing about three or four references from the head coach um, and even we've had Kyle Connor on our show we've had um, Josh Morrissey we've had Adam Lowry um, all the great things they've been talking to us uh, throughout the year about saying that they are well aware they've underachieved with the talent they've had the past five years and and the biggest difference is, is we all understand and have all bought into the system this year that's another shot, I think, at, at a, a bit of an individual who um, I, I knew pierre Dubois a little bit just through being covering him. Um, he's a guy that goes to his own drum. He's a guy that, as we know, isn't afraid to, to pull the shoot or say, "I'm not happy here. I, I feel this way. I feel that way." um so i think it is a direct correlation to blake wheeler not being around as captain i think blake is a a guy from when i got to know him it's it's all or nothing with blake it's life and death with him and if there's ever a a player or two on the team that doesn't take it like that or 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 takes it a little lightly they had problems and and he that's kind of how he ran that room is what i understand um and then also he kind of got a bit arrogant and, and, and loved being the captain of the, the Jets, I, I feel, and what I've heard. Um, and also the fact that, you know, it's his way or the highway. You can't run a team that way. I think we all know that. So I think it's a direct correlation to answer your question. But I don't want to alleviate Pierre-Luc Dubois not wanting to be here. Um, the whole idea that he said, you know, I want to keep my options open, I, I kind of look back at that and go, that's fair at the time. I don't know why a guy who knows he's going to get eight or $9 million would lock himself in two years prior to needing to, but now I look back at it and I also think that there's a guy that also his, you know, stories don't leak through agents. Agents don't say stuff that he wants to be a Montreal Canadian, unless the client wants to be a Montreal Canadian, right. They work for the client. So I think it's a direct correlation with both those guys, gentlemen, but I don't want to alleviate Pierre-Luc Dubois from that. I hear every month, at least once, somebody referencing
1: that everybody wants to be here. Because, I mean, the, the next logical follow-up question is about Rick Bonus. because I, I remember thinking when he kind of didn't kind of, he completely went off after they got eliminated from the playoffs. I was thinking there's no way that they can run it back with a lot of the key guys. And granted, they moved off two of them, but they also kept a few around. And Bonus has been fantastic the year. What can you say about the job Rick Bonus has done behind the bench this season?
4: I, I can't say enough. Like uh, I mentioned, Kyle Connor, he joined us at, at the real start of the season. I think he was named the star of the week, and he said everything's instinctive now. We get the system, and he said Rick Bonus came in last year with a lot of fire and brimstone, like right out of the gate, yelling, screaming, hollering. This is what we're doing, um, and so he goes. But this year, this is Kyle Connor now. Um, uh, we all just get it. We get the system. We get what he's about, and and it's just a lot of fun. Um, but I think he deserves a ton of credit. I'm with you guys. And, and not only Rick Bonus from, from last April, that last game in Vegas, to training camp and the start of the season, but Kevin Chevaldeoff, I've said on the air several times, the distance traveled from April to October for this team. I would love to see a 30 for 30 on it. I know that the New Jersey Devils, Buffalo Sabres were in and around about talking about potentially doing that. I can't believe both of them signed. To be honest with you, um, they were both adamant that they wanted to win. Somehow, from April, when Rick Bonus quote was disgusted and disappointed with how they played in Game Five, um, to alleviating some of the leaders from this team, like Blake Wheeler and Pierre-Luc Dubois, to guys Hellebuck and Scheifele going to be lifelong Jets, signing eight-year deals or seven-year deals at eight point five. I think Rick Bonus deserves a lot of credit in that. He's a straight shooter. He reminds me of my father. This is the way it is. And if you want to follow me, Jim, we're going to have a lot of fun. And if you don't listen to me, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. And So it's kind of old school in this day and age, you know, but if we look around the league, guys, it, there's a lot of these veteran coaches that we always talk, oh, another veteran coach. We need new young blood. We need new young blood. Well, look at the teams that have new young blood and look at the teams that have the the Rick Bonuses, the John Tortorella's. Um, the Rick Tockets, the kind of older school guys, these guys have evolved. And I think Rick deserves a ton of credit for that. He likes his players. They like him. But he also holds them accountable. And we just had a quote, you know, this past week from him that said, we've got we've to do this or we've got to do that and, and called them. So he's twice this week held back when asked about Gabe Velarde's game because he's struggling. He said, well, I moved him down because I was looking for something different. And then he said, and then uh, I was just looking for something different. He's at that point again where he knows how you play now is how you're going to play in the playoffs. And and he's setting the tone that way. I, I think he deserves a ton of credit. And I just think in general, guys, whether he's a coach of the Jets or not at 69 years old, it's a great story to be getting this out of this team that has had locker room issues, that has underachieved on the ice for five years, to have them at this point. But he's well aware that they had a huge drop-off last year. I don't see that happening in their game, even though they're not scoring. They're still playing the same system. I think Rick Bonus deserves a ton of credit. And for a guy who's been around that long, it's a great story.
1: Uh, Jim, this was awesome, man. Thanks for taking the time to do it. We really appreciate it. Have a good show, and enjoy the game on Saturday. It should be a good one as well.
4: Yeah, it should be. And congrats to all the success, Canucks fans. Are uh, a distance traveled between your off season and this uh, where they are now is a great thirty for thirty two. So enjoy the game, guys. I look forward to it. I do think it is the two best teams in Canada.
1: That a boy, Jim. That's Jim Toth from CJOB Winnipeg. That's why I go on Winnipeg radio because we're of the same mind.
2: Right. Okay.
1: I mean Edmonton's right there. Don't oh, problems. okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Edmonton's close. Yeah. Okay. But it's tough to get into the top two in Canada. You got to be a top seven team in the NHL to get there.
2: Okay, we're uh, bidding you adieu. Yep, uh, you're off for your your analysis. Now the show gets good. <laughs> that's that's a Fletch reference.
1: Oh, <laughs> of course, now yeah. and, and now I'm going to get bombarded with messages asking if I'm okay. <laughs> you everything's, got everything's fine. I gotta yeah. get it, I gotta get cast taken off my leg. So that's it. Um. Okay. Halford, Halford and I got in a fight. Yeah, Andy Andy put me in a figure four leg lock and snapped my leg. <laughs> He's very good at it. Okay, yeah, I'm going to take off. Uh, Jason is going to steer you along with the dogs through the back half of the show. We still got Moj. The administrative nonsense that I am definitely going to screw up. Yeah, but he'll be fine. Hey, listeners, be nice. Don't be jerks about it, okay? The if,
2: nonsense captain has taken off.
1: It's A-Dog. It's Laddie, and it's Bruff from here on in Halford. Oh, you're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.
0: The most opinionated Canucks show out there. Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Dranz. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the moch.
5: I did not eat four burgers.
0: Yes, it's the moch. I don't want
5: to go to Winnipeg.
0: Nobody wants to go to Winnipeg. Yes, I love food.
5: It's the moch. I went online and kind of did a little surfing. Jamalaya! Yes, it's the moch. Halpert's fine, but, you know, he's just grumpy all the time. Moach, moch, moch, moach, 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 moch, moch, moch,
0: moch, 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 It's the moch.
2: Moj is going to be joining us.
0: Get in that vibe, yeah.
2: Yeah. The Halford and Bruff Show is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today. Visit your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Hour two of the Halford and Bruff Show. It's brought to you by Primetime Craft Beer. That's the beer that's meticulously brewed for quality and taste. Primetime craft beer is full flavor without compromise at a liquor store near you, or visit the brewery to see how it's made. You show up, you're like, hey, how do you guys do that?
0: Do you guys have Lady Duff, Alcohol-free Duff."
2: <laughs> We're going to talk to Moj on the Dispatch Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning Hotline. The first call, the only call. And Moj is a presentation of the Clayton Public House. See, Halford makes this sound so hard, yeah, just doing these reads. he's always yeah. confused. yeah, Moj. good morning.
5: How are you? Halford has been gone for like five minutes, and you're already chirping him, yeah, right? Mhm. yeah, you guys are brutal. I mean, this is my last hit of the year, and Halford's not there. I mean, this is actually disappointing on my end.
2: yeah, well, sorry, you're stuck with me. I'm the grumpy <laughs> one, I know. Hey, Moje, how was the
5: Super Bowl? Did you have a good time down in Vegas? It was uh, it was good. It was a lot of fun. Um, it, it was interesting because kind of Monday and Tuesday were kind of quiet, and then all of a sudden Wednesday, it was just like a swarm of people arrived, mm-hmm. and it was it was it was interesting because I've never been to Vegas for a Super Bowl, obviously covering it, but you know they always say that if you're not at the game, Vegas is the second plus second best place to be. And this kind of combined both of those elements. And it was uh, it was a rather unique atmosphere as the week progressed. So, yeah, I mean, Vegas was fun. But, I mean, there were still some logistical issues. Like, I heard stories about trying to get Ubers. We tried to get one Wednesday night. Forget about it. We waited right. half an hour and then just called it a night. But, um, yeah, it was pretty cool. I think everybody that was there had a good time and enjoyed themselves. And it's interesting because everybody says, oh, well, Vegas has so much to offer. But, You got to realize, like, when you're down there for the game, most of the the stuff that you're doing is already pre-planned with the Super Bowl, whether it's media night, whether it's the media party, whether it's a certain party here or a certain party there. So it's not like, you know, you're going to be able to go check out a show or, you know, go to this club or do whatever, right? So um, all in all, though, I'd I'd give it a thumbs up. They did a good job.
2: When was the last time you were in a club?
5: Mm, That's a good question. I don't probably think vacation. I've been in a club probably, for a decade. Probably vacation. Right. Like, I mean, you know when you're on holidays. I mean, okay, you go to an all-inclusive in Cabo, you go to a, quote, the nightclub and check it out for a little bit. But, no, I don't – it's <laughs> funny. I used to go to clubs probably, I'd say, till – I'd probably say about my mid-40s and then after oh, that. Oh, you were that guy at the club. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I wouldn't – not on a regular basis. <laughs> i pop in occasionally after a game or whatever, but – yeah, they're, uh, the club thing now is like, you're not going to see me at the Roxy anymore. I think I retired from that place.
2: Um, so what was your main takeaway from the Super Bowl? Was it that Patrick Mahomes is sure good?
5: Well, uh, I think, number one, when you look at what the Chiefs' corners did in shutting down Samuel and uh, Ayuk, I think that was a huge key in the game. Um, so for me, that's, that's something that, you know, we talked about it going in, how good the Chiefs' secondary was, and I think that was a big key for them defensively in terms of shutting those two players down. Uh, The other thing too, that, that kind of really, it's kind of just sticking with me is this whole overtime thing. And, you know, I'm not saying the coin toss won or lost the game. The players have to go out there and do what they've got to do. But I wrote about this this week in my column, like seven years playing and coaching at UBC every Friday at walk through practice. We practiced the infamous kick out slash punt out, and you know that's that scenario in the Canadian League where you punt the ball in the end zone at the end of the game, they yeah. kick it out, you punt it back in, so you know three or four exchanges. The seven years that I was there, we never had that scenario pop up once, but we were prepared for it, right? <laughs> right? And that's the thing that kind of blew me away about the overtime is the Chiefs were so prepared; they knew the rules, they knew the scenarios that they wanted to go through, and you know you're seeing this video now of. You know, 49ers players on the sidelines going. so do we get the ball? But, like, not knowing what was going on. And to me, it's about preparation. And if Kyle Shanahan didn't prepare his players in that regard with that rule, you wonder yourself, okay, well, how much did he actually go over it with his coaching staff? How prepared was the coaching staff? And then the other thing, too, is the fact that, okay, if they didn't prepare for this, their level of preparation for this was basically, like, you know, negligent. Mm Mm-hmm. Where else were they negligent in terms of their preparation, right? So um, it, it just shows the attention to detail that Andy Reid and his staff pay to not only in terms of just the overtime, but I think in just the overall picture as well. And I think that, when it's all said and done, plays a big role in whether you win or lose.
2: So I knew the new overtime rules that you were each team was guaranteed a possession, and a, you know the first team, unlike. In the regular season, if you went down and scored a touchdown, you you won the game. But so, so I knew that that had altered for for the playoffs. But did you know? Because I did not, what would have happened if the first quarter had just run
5: out? That was new on me. Yeah, and the fact that you know, because I'm sitting there thinking to myself, why aren't they calling a timeout? Right, here? that right. was I mean, me. Calling- that was me. So sorry, we're winding down, and then. Little did I realized that it had actually rolled over until they started talking about it that it would roll over into the second quarter because it was still part of their possession, right so mm-hmm. um, yeah that that was kind of interesting, but you know it, and, you know I heard these people talking about the fact that well, it was a new rule no it's not a rule for the I mean the NCAA's been using this format for years, right, and the whole gist of it is the fact that you get the ball first. If you get the ball second, pardon me, as Kansas City did, you know what you have to do. Do you have to score a touchdown? Do you have to score a field goal? I mean, you just basically, in that instance, they knew what they had to do. Kansas City was ecstatic about it. And Patrick Mahomes got four downs to do what he needed to do. Ask yourself this question. If it was the fourth and one at their 33-yard line and they got the ball first, you think Andy Reid would have been going for it?
2: Right? So there you go. Yeah.
5: Um, were you credentialed for
2: the game or did you did you watch it on TV? No, it came, okay. came back.
5: We were back by Friday.
2: Yeah, okay. Cause I think that's where the broadcast let the viewers down too on what happened at the end of the quarter if it expired, because Tony Romo was just explaining it as the Chiefs went into the the end zone for the game winning touchdown. And I was confused, too. I was yelling at the TV, you got to call a timeout, got to call a timeout. Um, Let's put the Super Bowl talk behind us and a little BC Lions talk. Matthew Betts is going from the BC Lions to the Detroit Lions. Um, What do you think about that move?
5: Well, I think, number one, they're going to look at him just as a pass rusher because I don't think he has the size. And just his game, is that's his strength, so he'll go down there. He'll get a look. But, again, I think it's going to be extremely difficult for him to crack that roster, just as it was for Nathan Rourke. I mean, it's, it's not easy going down there as an undrafted free agent and trying to crack a roster. So um, it, it's going to be tough sledding for him. But I think the Lions kind of made up for it by signing Pete Robertson out of Saskatchewan. They got Cianti Evans to, to cover one of the corner spots. Um, they're going to have to play somebody young in the secondary, especially with T.J. Lee being out for a while. And they're going to have to find somebody a receiver as well with Keon Hatcher being out. Both those players coming off Achilles injuries that will keep them sidelined for probably half the season. So I like what they did in free agency. And for Betts going to Detroit, great. And, you know, maybe he does wind up back in BC when it's all said and done. But it's like I said, it's tough sledding. But at the same time, if you're Matthew Betts, you want to know that you've gone down there, given it your best shot. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But as long as you know that you can live with the fact that you went there, you gave it your shot, then, you know, you don't have any sleepless nights or any regrets moving forward.
2: Well, exactly. If, if, if you, if you you got a dream and you got an opportunity to chase the dream, go chase it. You know, you can always come back to the CFL. Um, are the lines better or worse?
5: That's a, you know, that's a great question because when I look at this team and some of the receivers that they lost um, and, you know, some of the concerns in the secondary, you know, losing, that's, it's, it, you know, I don't know if they're substantially better. If they are going to be better, they're going to have to have improvement from within and that could occur. I mean, you could find some free agents that come up and, you know, kind of shine in training camp and be able to produce for you and be, and be good players. So, that question to me is, it's an incomplete if I was going to give it a grade. I mean, I look at a team like Saskatchewan, I think Saskatchewan is better, mm-hmm. right, with some of the signings that they made. I, I, when I look at this whole picture, I think, honestly, I think it's going to be a little tighter. I mean, Winnipeg's going to come back to the pack. I, I, You know, BC, if they win 11 games instead of 13, I wouldn't be shocked. I think Saskatchewan will probably be a little bit better. I think Edmonton will be a little bit better. Calgary, to me, the jury's out on, so... I still think Edmonton, or pardon me, BC and Winnipeg are the the cream of the West, but the other teams, the the, the gap between the other teams is narrowed.
2: It just seems m- way more important this season because they're hosting the Grey Cup. Yeah. I'm still disappointed that they didn't host the West Final. Like that still that still bothers me. Um, I think it was a huge opportunity lost. Um, they had it in their clutches and, and, and they gave it up. So. Man, that would be so cool to host the West Final and then the Grey Cup if they can get it in, and get into that. And so I'm just, you know, I'm just wondering, um, you know, what the power dynamic is. Is there, is there any way that Winnipeg is weakened next ne- next season?
5: Yeah, I think they are. I mean, you look at some of the hits they took in free agency. Um, they've lost some key players. I mean, a guy like Jackson Jeffcoat to me stands out. Rasheed Bailey, the receiver, is not going to come back. Um, They lost Jamarcus Hardrick on the offensive line, you know, lost a good backup quarterback and drew Brown. Um, So, yeah, I mean, Winnipeg, I think, is going to be weaker, but I think they're kind of in the same boat as the Lions. I mean, they're going to hopefully get some improvement from within, right? I mean, guys that were on the practice roster last year that might come in and be able to step in and and do the job for them. So um, are they going to be as good as last year? I don't think so, but they're still going to be a pretty good football club.
2: Hey, Moj, this is a conversation we were having with Halford before he just up and left. Um, who's, the best, who's the best team in Canada, NHL?
5: Well, I know you're going to say the Edmonton Oilers, right? Um, I, right now, I'd have to go with the Canucks. I mean, the proof's in the pudding. I mean, just look at the standings, right? So if the Canucks
2: um, and the Oilers met in, the, in a series, you, you would say that the Canucks would win that series? Right now,
5: probably yes. Right, I would. Hey, fair enough. Fair enough. I think the Canucks are the more complete team. Here's the thing. I mean, Edmonton's been on such a heater um, the last little while, but you wonder also, I mean, can they maintain that heater? You know, can they maintain that all the way through the playoffs and Mm -hmm. the rest of the season? So, um, yeah, they've they've played some great hockey, but I don't think they're as good as they've been, you know, during this run. So, we'll see. But I think, you know, just look at Vancouver and – the the buy-in that they have with Rick Tockett. I mean, Tockett talked about it last night. You know, he was talking about the fact that he was upset with some of the penalties were called, and he said the players weren't as angry in it. And to him, that was a compliment to the team because, you know, Rick always talks about this team being even keel, right? Not getting too high, not getting too low, you know, and having the ability to reset and refocus every day. And and the fact that they were playing with that type of poise instead of getting rattled by some of these calls – And like I said, Tockett said, he said, I was more upset about it than they were. So, uh, again, just the maturity of this team, um, the way they're buying into what Tockett and the coaching staff is preaching, I I love it. I think if you're a Canuck fan, you've got to be extremely excited, not only about this season, but, you know, this team moving forward with this management group and with this coaching staff. Um,
2: Would you make a pretty big effort to re-sign Dakota Joshua, or is that the kind of guy where you risk overpaying?
5: I think you're risking overpaying. It's a career year. And, you know, it's kind of funny you mentioned Joshua because I'm doing a column, column on Connor Garland today mm-hmm. um, and his story. And think about where he was at the start of the year and to where he is now. Basically, you know, talking about, you know, these trade rumors that were out there. He told Ben Kuzma of the province that, you know, it was extremely difficult for like the first that six-game road trip at the start of the year. And you look at him now driving the third line. Um, you wonder, and don't get me wrong. Dakota Joshua is a really good player, great hands. I mean, that's what something the talker talks about all the time is just his hands and how good he is in tight. But you also wonder how much of that success has been predicated by how well Connor Garland has played too. Right. So Mm. I'm not saying it's Anton Carter and the Sedines, but you know, it's just, you have to take that into consideration when you are going to pay Dakota Joshua.
2: Yeah, it's funny. I think Dakota Joshua's hands have gotten better as the season has gone on, and maybe that's a confidence thing. Like Early on in the season, when he wasn't finishing, um, I was like, oh, he doesn't have the greatest hands. But to his credit, he's made some incredible plays in tight and some nice passes, and he's finishing the opportunities. Where would the Canucks be
5: without that third line this season? Uh, I think it's a totally different – team i mean you look at what garland and that third line has done you know with joshua and bluger i mean they've provided so much secondary scoring and and don't forget this fact either they're pretty good defensively right i mean garland talked about that yesterday when we chatted he said you know the thing is we're getting a lot of ice time but we're getting ice time in in both situations if we need a goal you know they, they trust us to put us out there and he says if we're protecting a lead they trust the coaching staff trusts us to mm-hmm. go out there because they're so good defensively. So it's not only about what they're producing in terms of secondary scoring, but also in terms of what they're doing defensively for this hockey club and take them out of the equation. This team isn't in first place overall. And the other thing that you got to realize too, by those guys doing what they do, it takes pressure off some of those top six forwards because I mean, the second line really this year has kind of been of an enigma until, you know, we've seen some of these recent acquisitions. So it's, it's interesting but to me, um, they've kind of flown under. I, I don't shouldn't say they've flown under the radar, but I think you know everyone always talks about the All Stars. That trio has played a huge, huge role in
2: this team's success this year. Um, what else did you learn about Connor Garland in your? I, I imagine you had an interview with him.
5: Yeah, um, very quiet. I mean, you know, he was very reluctant to travel down the road of what happened at the start of the year. You know, he just. <laughs> downplayed it he said well it was really nothing you know it was a long time ago but he was quick to um, give Rick Tockett a lot of praise and he specifically talked about you know Rick Tockett working with him he says he basically came out and said he's the reason I got a big contract because he worked with him in Arizona those three years and um, he grew so much under Tockett during his contract year and it was during the uh, I believe it was during the COVID shortened season if I'm not mistaken I think it was like 39 points in 49 games and he got the big contract after that season. And he just, you know, he just re- said Rick talk is the guy that, you know, really kind of made me evolve as an NHL player, and got me to where I'm at and got me that contract because he's the guy that was responsible for, you know, helping me with my game. And even in talking about this year, Um, when he was going through those troubles at the start of the year, one of the quotes that Cruz got out of him was the fact that it was Tockett that settled him down and kind of said, hey, you know what, just focus on hockey and let everything else kind of play itself out. So that was the other thing that I picked up from Garland. There's so much respect there for Rick Tockett and um, just what he's done for his game.
2: Uh, Moj, let's do an Ask Us Anything Friday.
5: Yes, it's Friday. It's my last Ask Us Anything Friday. you got to come up with a good one.
2: Uh, This one's from Austin and Langley. Ask us anything. Are you guys big your jersey number, guys? Like, do you have your own number that you wear? And if yes, what is your number? Now, Moj, you played football. You played lacrosse. Um, did you have a number that you wore? And every season you went in and you're like, that's my number. I want to wear it. See, football, I was so bad, I changed my
5: number all the time, figuring <laughs> that maybe it would bring me some good luck. <laughs> so, like, I mean, football, I was all over the map, man. I was like 58, 73. One year, I wore 69. I mean, I nice. was like, no.
0: nice, Yeah,
5: yeah football was like, no. Um, lacrosse, I was really bad, but you, you didn't have the luxury of having all those numbers back in the day. See, so like, you know, we played in the era when the numbers, like, 1 through 30. Right. Like, you know, if you're playing for the Richmond Outlaws in the WLA or the New Westminster Salmon Bellies and Intermediate, you couldn't pick, like, 73, right? You'd have to pick, like, you know, a number. So I'd always pick 16 because 16's my birthday. So 16 was my number in lacrosse basically all the time. I think I had 22 one year, too. But, no, I wasn't – to be honest, I wasn't one of these huge numbers guys. I was just – like I said, I was never good enough at anything to be a numbers
2: guy. Yeah, I, I, I never had the cachet to be like, yeah. that's my number, give it up. But See, I, you know, but if I chose one, it was always eight because Greg Adams was, I think, at the time I started playing hockey, my favorite player. So I, I chose number eight. And then I would go up to, like, if eight wasn't available, I'd be like, is 16 available? And if that wasn't available, I'd go to 32. So it was just like, it was all math. You just doubled down. Yeah, it was like me at the blackjack like, table.
5: Yeah, it, but the thing is, it's like sometimes it's like, you know, with numbers, it's there, there's certain, like you talk about cachet, you, you got to be at a certain level to wear certain numbers, right? I mean, if you're going to go play beer league hockey and wear 99 or 66, mm-hmm. well, you better have some game, right? Otherwise, uh, Donnie Taylor always talk about this. You better or no
2: game. game, like absolutely or no, no yeah, game, like it, zero, it, zero it, game, it, like I'm just yeah. starting uh, 99, please don't hurt me.
5: Yeah. Or if you're a defensive lineman in football, particularly like an edge rusher, if you wear a single digit, you better be good, right? If you're wearing number eight you're playing defensive end, you better be a god, right? So it's, you know, certain numbers, certain positions, you know, kind of dictate what you wear or, you know, what you should be wearing. But yeah, like honestly, never a numbers guy.
2: Well, Moj, when you come on our show, you can wear
5: whatever number you want
2: because you are that good. Call Thank me grumpy now. No,
5: I mean, that. you know what? Isn't that you know, a nice compliment? That was a nice hey, compliment that came up. That was a up. very nice compliment, and mm-hmm. I think I just figured out why you're grumpy sometimes.
2: Yeah, because I have to work with help. Halford.
5: Thank you. I was just about to say that. You yeah. You have to work with Halford. Don't We're through the see? looking glass here. Yeah. You see, Halford's gone, and it's a new bruff. Yeah. Like, you could become like a public speaker like Anthony Robbins, talk about positivity and how to change your life and all of these things. Just get rid of Halford.
2: Yeah. It's a good idea. Moj, thank you for everything that you brought to the show this year. I'm sure we'll talk again at some point. I yeah, know you, we'll talk like it Canucks, all over
5: again, hopefully when the live season kicks off. Well,
2: you're a Canucks beat writer too. We might have to bring you on to the show and just talk <laughs> hey, about that.
5: Anytime, let me know.
2: See Always you, buddy. treat. Have a great weekend. Thanks, fellas. Uh, Moj on Sportsnet 650 was brought to you by the Clayton Public House, your home of football. Every game day, catch all the action on 15 screens and two giant projectors. Rick Dollywell is coming up next. So we'll talk a little bit more about Phil Kessel with Rick Dollywell and what the plan is for him. You're listening to Alfred and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.